Mac Brown has talked about just how difficult this football schedule is. But for the second time in as many years, Carolina starts the season 3-0. Hey, it hasn't been perfect, but the heels just keep on winning. How'd they do it this time? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, September 18th, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us to get your team every day. This episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked on Network. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on to get started. Coming up on the show, of course, we are recapping Carolina's 31-13 victory over Minnesota on Saturday. Here's how we do our football game recaps. We'll have our three stars, our three plays, and of course, the shady stat of the game. And I apologize in advance, but there are three of them today because I just thought it was some really cool numbers that I needed to share with you. But let's start with our biggest takeaway, and it is simply this. Carolina is 3-0. and and they are 3-0 and with three wins in three ways against a difficult non-conference opening schedule. There is one more non-conference game later on in the season against Campbell, but this opening salvo, if you'll allow me that phrase, is over and the Tar Heels are undefeated. Here's the thing. One of my three keys, if you don't follow me or the show on Twitter or Instagram, you should do that because I always put out three keys to the game, my predicted score, all those kind of things. One of my three keys to this game was take what the defense gives you. And that might seem a little bit curious. You're, you might be thinking, shouldn't we tell the defense what we're going to do to them? Sure. But here's why I said that. The reason I feel comfortable with that offensive philosophy right now is because Carolina has shown the ability to win in multiple ways. They did that on Saturday with the 400 plus yard passing game for Drake may a week after they had gone wild against app state on the ground. And so that is what I think is the most important takeaway from this game. And then at a more macro level, the entire beginning of the season is that Carolina can beat you in multiple ways. Let's talk about it. South Carolina. The Tar Heels had a balanced offensive attack and a strong defense. That was the most talented quarterback they've faced so far this year in Spencer Rattler, who has done it at the highest level. And they, they didn't like end his life, but again, nine sacks. He had his way a little bit through the air, but Carolina did what they needed to do. So a balanced offensive attack and enough on the defense. Against App State, Carolina had to go run heavy. Why? The Mountaineers were committed to shutting down the the -the over-the-top deep balls. So the Tar Heels went run heavy, and Omarion Hampton just went wild. But then on Saturday against Minnesota, it was pass heavy. Uh, The passing game was simply open more. So Drake called his own number and took advantage of it. You know, they they had to deal with, um, on the defensive side of the ball, a massive 
offensive line. And so um, that, that was something else that, that the Carolina defense had to contend with. I mean, so just multiple ways Carolina has already shown, Hey, we can do whatever it is that you want to throw at us. So why is that such a positive narrative? Three wins in three ways. Because to me, it gives me the confidence that the Tar Heels are talented enough, diverse enough, skilled enough to win in, in whatever way they need to win. You know, it's, it's like basketball. You have to be able to win when you, the shots aren't falling as much, the defense has to pick it up, or you have to be able to win against a zone or man to man or whatever it is. It's that same kind of deal. Um, and another reason I, I think this is such a positive narrative is because now if, if you are a member of the Tar Heels, whether player, coach, whatever manager, you have to have confidence that, Hey, look, look at what we've just done. We have confidence that whatever our now conference foes throw at us, we're going to be ready for, and we can handle it and give back what we need to. And then here's the other reason I think this is a really good um, start to the year is because everything that the Tar Heels have done, some of it bad. Okay. You don't want that necessarily, but all the good has all been on tape. Why is that good? Because now if you're preparing for North Carolina, you think, well, crap, we, we've just been expecting this to be straight up air raid again, you know, with, with, Drake doing everything he does, but now we got to contend with Omarion Hampton rushing for 234 yards and backs coming out of the backfield and um, a whole new swarm of receivers. Oh, and now Nate McCollum too, you know, like all of that is great to get that all on tape because opponents have to prepare for all of those dynamics. And yes, as I alluded to a minute ago, there, there is a component in this conversation where instead of saying, as I did um, instead of respond, you know, like take what the defense is giving you. Basically, I know there's a, a, a way in which you want to make your opponent respond to what we do. Hey, this is our strength. Let's get it. But in football, more than some other sports, there is an opportunity to throw in some schematic wrinkles. We'll call them to do what you think is super helpful based on an opponent's tendencies, whether that's um, so, some different offensive approaches, whether that's, um, uh, you know, something different on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, th- there is that response. And when Carolina has the ability to adapt and adjust and still be successful, goodness, that's a good, good thing. <laughs> and all of this means that you've now put yourself in a position, if you're the Tar Heels, where you're heading up to Pittsburgh this weekend for your first ACC game, your first true road game, remember the past two have both been at Keenan and the season opener against South Carolina was in Charlotte. This is the first true road test of the year. And so you got you got a lot mentally that you got to get ready for. Um, but if you can hone in on this road game at Pitt, then after that, you've got an ACC game under your belt. You get a week off. And then you get three weeks straight at home, which starts with Syracuse, by the way. So, you know, that's not the world's worst thing. And so that that's what we're looking at with where Carolina is at. Now, I, I will give this caveat at the end of this. At the same time, while the end result of this win over Minnesota was the most comfortable win of the season, you know this. I've been begging the Tar Heels going back to last year to get a lead, sustain a lead, and then build on that lead, push it out get comfortable. 
I even tweeted during this game Saturday, this is the start UNC needed, 14-0. Now here's the question. Can they sustain and build on the lead? Uh, to a certain extent, yes, they did. But it could have been a lot more comfortable. But thanks to a couple interceptions, some penalties, just some more self-inflicted wounds that you, a good to great team, as Mac Brown has been talking about, does not have. And that allowed Minnesota to get it back to 21-10. And... 21-13, in fact, and then eventually Carolina gets the final, all the final points of the game. But they could have saved some second half and even fourth quarter game pressure by doing this earlier. If Drake doesn't throw those two picks on back-to-back um, series, who knows what kind of points you've added on, you know? And so that that's just something uh, like that's the next level of this thing that we're looking for. All right, the next place we need to get is my three stars of the game. And I bet you can guess who the number one person on this list is. Nate McCollum, welcome to Chapel Hill. We got to talk about what a special, special performance this was on Saturday. But before we do that, I need to tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by BetterHelp. You ever have trouble shutting off your brain when you fall asleep? Well, one of the things that I've come to learn to be true is that talking through all those thoughts, trying to find your way to end the day is a great way to help all those thoughts go away. Therapy gives you a place so that you can find some mental and emotional peace. Therapy with better help is helpful for learning positive coping skills and setting boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It's not just for people who have experienced major life trauma. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, let me encourage you to give BetterHelp a try. It's completely online, which is so helpful if you have a crazy schedule like I do. It's designed to be convenient and flexible for any type of schedule. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnCollege today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnCollege. Coming up this weekend, there is more college football, and we've got you ready here at the Locked On Network with Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. Coming at you every Friday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern, live on every Locked On College YouTube page. Going to get you ready for Carolina versus Pitt on Saturday. Also, this massive Notre Dame-Ohio State matchup coming up this weekend. 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern this Friday. You don't want to miss it. Make sure you are there. All right, the three stars of the game. I've got two actual people and one unit for you. The first, as I already alluded to, it's Nate McCollum. Man, we already talked about, you know, I mentioned one of my three keys was take what the defense gives you. One of my other three keys was who's wide receiver one? Who is stepping in for Josh Downs? Who's stepping in for Antoine Green? Because the guy you thought it was going to be is standing on the sidelines wearing a number nine jersey, but no shoulder pads. And so you, you've seen some some nice work from Kobe Pesor and Gavin Blackwell, J.J. Jones stepping in. You know, you got these great tight ends with John Copenhaver and Bryson Nesbitt and Kamari Morales. But who's going to be the dude, the dog that Drake May can go to as a safety outlet, the guy that Drake May can go to anytime he wants? Well, if, if you haven't processed through the different types of receivers that these guys are, Tez Walker, even though I think a lot of us projected him to be the number one guy, 
he's the Antoine Green role, which, you know, I think we can all say was wide receiver two in Carolina's offense. While Josh Downs was wide receiver one. And while Kobe Pesor can do that pretty well, that's what Nate McCollum does best. And so we've already seen that capability. And man, Drake May and Nate McCollum early and often on Saturday had it figured out. So who's wide receiver one? That question was answered definitively and quickly on Saturday as Nate McCollum winds up with 15 receptions for 165 yards and a touchdown. 15 receptions is just one shy of Carolina's all-time single game record. Absolutely incredible stuff. That first drive, he was the only one that was seeing targets. Four catches on five targets, including a 46-yard touchdown catch on third and 12 from the 46. So, man, Drake is out here trusting Nate McCollum in a big way, and you love to see that. So 15 catches on the day. He had 60 all of last season at Georgia Tech. He caught a quarter of his entire season's total from last year on one in one game. Wild stuff. Now, he's, he's not going to get that many every game, but what an explosion onto the scene from Nate McCollum. I think he'll probably surpass that 60 this year, assuming that he stays healthy. You see what happens when you got a great quarterback. He makes everyone around him better. Nate McCollum, welcome to being a Tar Heel man. It's great, and we're glad you're here. Next on my three stars of the week, got to give one to Drake May, and here's why. This man has been biding his time. He's been, you know, there's been all this chatter about, oh, Drake's numbers aren't what they need to be to be a high. It doesn't matter. Carolina's winning. Drake's doing what he needs to do for Carolina to win, and that's more important. Um, but when it came time to face a team that was going to be able to stuff the run a little better. I think, you know, part of that is just more offensive line injuries, unfortunately. But when you're finally facing a team that's like, all right, here we go with the pass game. <laughs> Drake just does work. Second career, 400 yard plus passing game. He had 448 against Wake last year. And then um, this game was where he just took it over the top. You love to see that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I love Drake's willingness to keep doing what needs to be done to win, not to put Drake May's name in highlights, right? Like going to run when he needs to. Um, yeah, there were, there were those couple interceptions, but great responses from those, you know, the, after the second interception, it was um, 21, three, no, I'm sorry, 14 to three at that point. And then he just takes Carolina down next possession. Touchdown, 21-3, late in the first half. You love to see that kind of response. That's what Drake May does. Now, oddly, three games into the season, he's got the exact same number of touchdowns as he does interceptions, four. That number's going to change, but that's where things sit right now. Uh, we'll have to see what happens going forward. And then my third star of the game is the Carolina secondary. Yes, there were still some moments where things didn't go perfect. I get that and I hear that. But that's that's just where we're at in football right now. So in, in some level, you just got to come to live with it. But on the day, Minnesota had just 133 receiving yards, 133 passing yards, whichever way you want to call it. Now, I get it. Ethan Kaliak-Manis is not the world's 
best quarterback. He's not going to set things on fire, but still 133 total receiving yards or passing yards. Nate McCollum again had 165 by himself. He had 32 more receiving yards by himself than Minnesota did as a team. The last team, the last time the Tar Heels held a team to under 133 passing yards was Wofford back in 2021 when uh, they had 93 passing yards. But it's Wofford. It's not Minnesota. So there's that. Um, Staying with the secondary, they had two more interceptions. Now, not all of that was the secondary. Power Eccles had one of them, but you know it's it's in coverage. I think that's probably the bigger point, more so than just saying the second the five secondary guys specifically out on the field the 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 coverage had two interceptions so Eccles had one and then Armani Chapman stepped in and had a really nice game um the Tar Heels as a team another number eight PBUs eight pass breakups same thing that's not all the secondary but it is you know, holding down the passing game. And that's what you love to see. And by the way, three of those PBUs were Chapman as well. Love it. Let's keep that going. Now, part of it is the secondary is still trying to figure out what they are, what their personnel is, um, who goes where following DeAndre Boykins going down, you know, and uh, being out for a year. And that's just part of what these non-con games have been is, is working to try to see who goes where, who fits, how do we make this all happen? So uh, we'll continue to look ahead with that for the Tar Heels. You know, how how um, are we going to make that work? And, and they'll get it all figured out. But um, just good to see, good to see the secondary having some success. You know, that's got to feel good for them, particularly after last year. So excited to see where that keeps going. Now, coming up, we've still got to give you the three plays And as I said, the shady stats in this case of the game. I know you're excited to hear what those are. I'm excited to talk about them. We'll get to that in just a second. But first, I need to tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by Athletic Brewing. It's time for our Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. And of course, there's no bones about it. It's Nate McCollum. And much like his Welcome to Carolina performance on Saturday afternoon, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good, full flavor, well-crafted, just like a full-strength beer. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's great. That's code locked on at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. It's time for our three plays. This first one is not a specific play, but it's, it's again, uh, this one's about the defense in totality more so than just the secondary. As I said, Drake May gave up um, two interceptions on back-to-back drives on um, on Saturday. And the thing that was really neat about this is um, the, the first of those started on the Carolina 16. 
And Minnesota only got three points out of that. I, that's a win. The other one, it was deeper into in Carolina, or excuse me, Carolina was deeper into Minnesota territory, so they had further to go. But they started at the Minnesota 28. Um, but again, Carolina held them to zero points in that. So the first of the three plays is that Carolina's defense only surround, surrendered three total points off of back-to-back interceptions. That is a massive win. And that's the first play. Play number two. It's a big-time interception. We talked about it from Armani Chapman. But let's go a little bit deeper into the context of what was going on. Mid-third quarter, Carolina's leading at this point 21-13. to 13. Minnesota's driving, and it felt to me, I don't know how you felt, but they're down a touchdown and a two-point conversion. They've wrested momentum away from Carolina. Um you know, and and at this point, they've got the ball in the UNC 34. So not on the front porch, not in the red zone, but getting close. And it, it's inevitable at this point. We've all seen it, right? Minnesota's clearly going to go get this touchdown, convert the two-point conversion. We got a tie game with 18, 19, 20 minutes left in the game. But that was not the case in this one. Carolina gets... Um, uh, some nice pressure on, it wasn't Caliak Manis. He had gone off limping and had a backup in, um, but, uh, there was pressure up front. Forgive me. I can't remember off the top of my head who it was, um, that got to the quarterback, but throw it forces a, a rushed pass that goes into the end zone. Armani Chapman's right there, pulls it down. Carolina gets the ball. And so instead of, I mean, it's a big swing because instead of this potentially being a tie game, Carolina drives down, gets a field goal out of it. It's not a touchdown, but it's points. And now, very importantly, that creates, instead of a 21-13 lead, a 24-13 lead, which is a two-possession game. And so that, that's a massive turn of events for the Tar Heels there. Great job by the defense. Bend, not break. We'll take it. And then the third play is also not just one singular play, but a drive in totality. This is in the fourth quarter. Carolina's leading still 20 to 24 to 13. Uh, and it, it just doesn't feel like they've done the job to put away this game. It feels like there's enough where Minnesota could come out and do what they need to do to win the game. And Carolina, I, I said to myself as I got going, you have to get a drive right here. You have to sustain a drive, take time off the clock, and ideally put points on the board as well to create more space. And this is exactly, exactly what happened. Carolina needed a put-the-game-away drive, and they got it. This drive was 11 plays, 76 yards, burned more than one-third of the quarter, 5 minutes, 23 seconds, and culminates in a British Brooks one-yard touchdown plunge. That's awesome. That's the final score of the game and gives you that uh, 31 to 13 um, margin, final margin of victory. And so, while again, not one play, a sustained drive against a Big Ten defense when you had to have a sustained drive. That's what you get with Drake May, who can do all of these things for you. So, great stuff with the plays of the game. And now it's time for my shady stats, a three peat. Shady stats of the game. First off, UNC opponents scoring under 20 points. In the 2022 season, that happened precisely one time. Carolina held Virginia Tech to, I believe it was 10 points, uh, if I remember the score correctly. But that was the only time, once, 
that Carolina held an opponent under 20 last year. So 2022, one time an opponent scored under 20 points. 2023, twice an opponent has scored under 20 points in the first three games of the season. Carolina has held both of their major conference opponents under 20 points. That would be South Carolina, and that would be Minnesota. You love, you love to see it. But today, that is not the only shade of the shady stat of the game. Let me throw two more at you. Here's the first one. In the first two games of the season combined, Minnesota had allowed just 16 points against uh, their, their first two opponents. Combined, two full games, 16 points. And so there was this question like, man, what, what is the Carolina offense going to do? There's no Josh Downs. You know, there's, there's no Tez Walker. There's no Antoine Green. Who's going to do it? Well, again, we found that out very quickly. And so against a team that had allowed 16 points in their first eight quarters, the Tar Heels dropped 21 in the first half. <laughs> awesome. That's what you have to do and keep doing. How about one more shady stat of the game for you? One of the major storylines coming into this game was that Minnesota had dominated dominated time of possession in the early part of the season. One is the one of the top national teams in holding onto the ball. But you know what happened? Carolina won the time of possession battle. Tar Heels held it for 33-10. Minnesota had it for 26-50. And it wasn't just like one quarter they blew it out. Carolina won the time of possession battle in the first quarter, the second quarter, and the fourth quarter. And the fourth quarter was a dominance. Now, Minnesota won the third quarter and they dominated that one, but it was like the third and fourth quarter offset themselves in terms of time of possession. And, and keep in mind, it's not like they had a dynamic running game to be able to control the clock. It's just they did it. They held onto the ball, sustained drives. Great job by the Tar Heels. That's my shady stats of the game. It's nice to be able to drop all sorts of great stuff like that. All right, Tar Heels 3-0. Time to head up to Pittsburgh, and you have to follow. If the Tar Heels go up and lay a egg, a flat egg in Pittsburgh, all of this will have been for nothing. You have to go take care of business in Pittsburgh. You cannot mess this up. Well, before we get out of here, a quick weekend wrap up. I know some of the spring teams were in action, like both golf teams were in action this weekend, both tennis teams. But let me tell you uh, what the fall sports teams did over the weekend. You might recall two weekends ago, everything other than football was off campus. This weekend, it was all home games. Women's soccer beat Virginia Tech 1-0 on Friday. Love to see that. Men's soccer tied Notre Dame on Friday, one all. Field hockey beat Louisville on Friday, two to nothing. Great to see that. Just keep on rolling, ladies. And then volleyball swept their weekend, three sets to one over Santa Clara on Friday and 3-0 over Coastal Carolina on Sunday. So great work, a great winning weekend in Chapel Hill all around. You love to see it. Folks, it's great to kick off another week of the show together. Thanks so much for tuning in and being here with us to start your week with getting the Tar Heels every day. Man, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do that. Locked on Heels. You can follow me at Isaac Shade. Would love for you to email the show. Maybe you've got questions, uh, either just for me personally or something that you would like answered on the show. Would love for you to send emails to us. Locked on Tar Heels at gmail.com. 
Don't forget that you can subscribe to the show on audio and video formats. Would love for you to do that, by the way. Smash the like button to let us know you're here if you're watching on YouTube. And we'd love to hear your comments and thoughts on this game. You can drop those in the chat in the comments there. Folks, it's always a great day to be at Tar Heel, especially when they're 3-0. <laughs> we'll talk to you again tomorrow on Tuesday. But until then, peace. <laughs>